This is me that you're seeing on the screen. That I, I am the actor here. And um, this uh, particular sequence... Well, the, one of the themes running through this film... Um, How to Raise Women from the Dead. This is the film that's going to be released through a Baroque house uh, in the next couple weeks here. I think Sam said he wants to, um, you know, start the pre-orders on Black Friday weekend. But one, one of the uh, themes running through this, through the entire disc, some of the other segments as well, is the, the aesthetic of soap operas. Like, like old... 1970s, 1950s soap opera daytime television. And so the music here was written to kind of sound like that music that you might hear in a soap opera. And, um, this, uh, this scene was shot in a coffee shop slash diner. A, a woman who I know who worked there suggested that I might be able to film it there because I liked the I just I, I liked the way the walls looked so so I asked her if it'd be possible to film it there I was just noticing, I think the audio and the video might be a little off track here. I, I hope uh, that's... It might be. Sometimes they're slightly off. I hope that might... I hope that's not it from the disc I sent you. No, no, no. I promise you it's not. It's just because of the fact that you're going from one thing to another and sometimes the audio doesn't mix. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, well, in this particular case, you, you were asking what I'm thinking in this particular case. And in this particular scene, I was thinking about the employee of the coffee shop who was stacking all the chairs up on the tables as we were filming it. Because a woman who I know worked there suggested that I could film it, could, that I could use this uh, coffee shop to film it. But she, she wasn't there when we filmed it. We filmed it right before closing because we wanted, to have, we wanted there not to be any people there, ideally. And, but you could uh, hear the one employee trying to close up shop and um, putting the chairs up on the tables. And she came up to us seemingly completely unfazed by the giant pool of blood on the table. And she said, uh, hey guys, we're closing in five minutes. And then she went right back to stacking chairs without even batting an eyelash. And um, 
I think it's just a testament to how focused people can be, you know, in that final 10 minutes before work, before work ends. They're just not in the mood for any nonsense. And that will prevent, you know, that will prevent them from clocking out. Um, I thought that was interesting. But then, um, so here we're changing scenes. I will just explain, I'm just going to explain this film like it seems like it's a a non-linear, like fragmented narrative. But it's actually a completely linear narrative. And so I'm just going to explain it as literally as I can. And um, so the scene you just saw where the guy is stabbing himself with scissors, where I'm stabbing myself with scissors. I'm playing a character named George Hodel, who was a real-life serial killer back in the... He might have been a serial killer. And um, he's punished... In that scene, he was punishing himself for killing his victim, some victims. He um, stabbed his victims multiple times. And so in a moment of regret, he... um, he likes to dress like his victims and uh, punish himself for past crimes. But now, so in this scene we're watching right now, um, these people are having kind of a seance. They're, um, they're, you know, playing with a Ouija board and they feel like they're contacting some, um, some, some spirit who's um, on the other side, so, someone who's deceased. And they, they ostensibly they're they're communicating with the spirit, and um, this is uh, this is the actress here is uh, Kendra Nevin, um, and sitting next to her is her daughter Cherokee Nevin, who I work with pretty frequently. Cherokee's been in a lot of my films um, that I've made for White Gardenia, and, um, and this is in uh, Cherokee's living room, and um, her mom was really amazing in this scene. I didn't expect, her mom was just originally supposed to be a, um, was supposed to be, you know, kind of a, it was a bit part, and she was so interesting and had such a great energy, I decided to kind of make her the focus of the scene. And um, Kendra has like really interesting taste in films, and I think that's why Cherokee was never really weirded out by the kind of like avant-garde nature of my films, is because her mom has pretty pretty similar taste in films. And um, so these guys are trying to use a Ouija board. I. In in you know I in real life I sort of doubt that Ouija boards actually work. I've I've never actually seen one work. But here in this scene, Cherokee and Kinder seem to be hearing the voice of a dead person named Rose. And here we are in a grocery store where we seem to be seeing some meat and previously in the previous scene you could hear Kinder talking about how the serial killer was using a meat grinder to uh, that the girl had been chopped up for hamburger in a hamburger grinder so here we're seeing some meat made from the 
remains of the murdered girl. Whoever the killer is gets off on selling the meat to unsuspecting customers. I like untold story. Yeah, yeah, that's just kind of... <laughs> that's Well, I mean, I guess the reason I included that is... When I was a kid, I grew up in Great. I, I was in a lot of the time. I was in Great Falls, Montana, and um, my grandma's house was just two blocks from a Hardee's where the cannibal Nathaniel Bar Jonah used to work, the serial killer used to work. So I was constantly reading stories and hearing stories about after they caught him, you know, how they ground, he ground up people's meat there at that Hardee's right by our house. So here we are here. Here's Allison, um, Allison, who I work with frequently. When did Allison get that forehead tattoo? Because she uh, does in like part of this movie and then does in the other. Right, right, <laughs> right. She got that halfway through. Didn't really matter though because it was um, <laughs> the the movie. I can exp I'll explain all that. You know why it doesn't matter. Um, she's being she's hitchhiking here. Um. Obviously, there's the driver who's picking her up. There's obviously something not right because um, she's obviously she's already tied up in the back of the vehicle. And this was filmed pretty close to Warm Springs, I guess, which is where the state mental hospital here is in Montana, which is a little tiny town that has like um, it has a pretty great atmosphere there. It's just the mental hospital. Nothing else there. The radio show that you're playing on the car is uh, called The White Rose Murders. It was broadcast in July 1943 and that radio uh, broadcast was in the, is in the public domain so I wanted to use it for this film. And here, the the uh, the guy who's abducted her is making her look at uh, you know stuff about murdered women, and obviously in anticipation of murdering her. But he's just like this is his idea of um, like tormenting her. Um, well, that that's a, a friend of mine named Tim, but I don't know if he really, he probably doesn't want me to use his last name, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's fine. That's why, yeah, you don't need to, but I'm just curious. Yeah. And uh, like I, I've been telling a few people, Allison does not... We, we already know at this point that Allison's going to be murdered because we she's communicating to the people earlier who are talking through the Ouija board. She's the, the, the dead girl that they're communicating with. Um, obviously, even though in my past films I've used, done stuff that's simulated, or I've done stuff that's not simulated, I've done you know real self-mutilation, 
I, I do want to point out, you know, she obviously was not really murdered in this film. And um, she actually did, Allison did all the special effects in this film. All by herself. I didn't have anything to do with the special effects. I'm always interested in like I'm I'm I've always been interested in serial killers and especially interested in like why they they want to torture their victims and why they don't just rape them or you know what presumably there's um the point of abducting a woman in, in these kind of scenarios is to rape them but so so many times with the serial killers the torture is even more important than the actual sex and um so that that's right right and um that really interests me but it it like really scares me on an existential level about like what what really motivates humans and you know what the human race is really all about and um because i it's i just think about even how my cat likes to torture mice and in um in, in nature, you can see lots of instances of animals torturing and killing each other. And so, on a, like, I, I, it also worries me because I definitely have some of these same sadistic impulses in myself. And, um, you know, I obviously keep them, I'm a very disciplined person, and I'm very, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I'm, I'm very, I keep those kind of impulses I would never, you know, I don't, I don't act on those impulses, but it does really worry me when I see that, you know, some of the most intelligent people I know and some of the most intelligent people in the history of, uh, you know, some of people like Marquis de Sade and stuff were um, very driven by this idea that they wanted to hurt other people. They, you know, they, they had real destructive and um, they they had real um, a real desire to uh, inflict as much injury on other people as they could and so that um, is one aspect of human nature that that I've studied quite a bit and that really still makes me nervous especially in the context of horror films um, I always get nervous when I see films that are like torture porn and stuff like that it um, makes me nervous to see like what what kind of uh energy that's tapping into but so i'm kind of trying to explore that in this film yeah that's one of those things you don't know until you're already past it then you know a lot of times then it's too late kind of like with drugs or something like that yeah well specifically in the context of this film because this film is about simulations and about um, how the human race is 
getting towards this point in human history where we will be able to um, we will be able to you know simulate reality we will be able to raise the dead with their memories intact um, in virtual probably in a virtual reality environment and um, what's fascinating about this you know I, I'm not into science fiction at all I'm not I, I, I actually despise science fiction and um, I'm, I'm only interested in science in the context that it can intersect with our lives and our universe and one of my favorite people is Richard Dawkins um, because especially in this era where there's so much distrust of science I think it's really important that we have skeptics like Richard Dawkins who can you know ki kind of <laughs> fight some of the conspiracy theory nonsense and the um, and and you know he's kind of a champion for science but at any rate despite the fact that Richard Dawkins is one of the most well-known skeptics in the world he's pointed out that it, it is possible that the dead can be raised um, He's endorsed a book by David Deutsch called The Fabric of Reality that talks about raising the dead with their memories intact in a virtual reality environment. And, um, and so this, this theory, you know, we could, we could basically recreate the history of every person who's ever lived. Um, we can recreate the history of the subatomic particles in a virtual reality simulation. And we can, once we have the first virtual reality um, once we have the first um, first human-based artificial intelligence, once that's been represented in in virtual reality, we can just um, spin that so that we we can spin our universal simulation in such a way that we have every physically possible variation of that first human-based AI. And so that that's the key of this film is that's why the this Blu-ray is called "How to Raise Women from the Dead" is because. I, I'm literally talking about how we can bring people back from the dead. And um, the history of horror has been about everything from zombies and ghosts, you know, even even uh, the idea of vampires being immortal and all this. The entire history of horror has been talking about this idea of raising the dead and why and and that concept has always made people uneasy. And so we're now at the very first point in human history where that's actually, you know, a very real physical possibility. And, um, so, when, when we have this sim, we have this concept of simulated reality, and, and the human race is slowly trying to acclimate itself to this idea of simulated reality, I'm convinced that's why kids play video games. I'm convinced we're trying to get used to this idea of living in a simulation. And more and more technology is taking over our lives, and um, we, you know, we're we're rapidly moving towards this point where um, where the physical world won't even be important anymore. We're we're getting to the point where, um, whoops, we, okay, there we go. Um, the the point of this film it seems fragmented it it seems nonsensical but what i'm trying to depict here is that if we were to simulate a person's life in this in the in this film specifically talking about bringing this woman back from the dead through simulations you you have to bring back to bring back the person with their memories intact 
you would do a history recapitulation simulation where you, you bring back um, the person in an AI simulation, but then you run through all that person's memories, every possible set of memories, and you record those memories so that when you resurrect them, they have their memories back. Because that's the most important part of a person. A person is genetics plus memory. So without getting too complicated, without getting all too complicated, because the film's almost over at this point, but there's no way I can explain it in this length of time. This film is about re this woman's timeline being replayed in multiple slightly different ways so that she can be brought back from the dead. The subtext of the film is the idea that if we do have virtual reality and we are able to bring back the dead, obviously what I would want is for there to be like a virtual reality heaven. But the, the, what concerns me with this idea of reprogrammable reality is the idea that there could also be virtual reality hell. You know, yeah, with glitches, glitches in it, maybe. Uh, what's that? Or glitches in your AI, like say you know something doesn't work out, like you're not quite what you used to be, and so all of a sudden, like what you think you were, now all of a sudden you're this. Right. Well, there there will be glitches. I mean, there probably will be when when this whenever this technology is initially, you know, once we get the first working hard AI simulations going. I'm sure there'll be glitches, and probably every person will have like multiple, almost countless numbers of simulations, and that'll possibly necess be necessary to get the exact right person, to resurrect the exact right person, which is why a lot of theoretical physicists like Frank Tipler say we need to like, it'll have to be like a hyper simulation where we do trillions and trillions of simulations to, to get the exact right timelines back. But all the other versions of us can live as well. There's no reason they can't. There's no reason we can't just bring everyone back to life. But, but the real problem is this idea of like, once we have reprogrammable reality, you know, what, what worries me is that idea of people, you know, what if someone like the Marquis de Sade is in charge of the simulation? That's why I, I've, been, I'm, I've always been obsessed with this idea of evil and like, you know, what is really driving the human race. And I think it's, you know, a 99% chance that when we, that when we do um, get this technology, it will all work out fine, that the human race will, you know, we will be, we will have like virtual heaven, we'll have any kind of simulation we want to live in. But there is always, there's that 1% chance, you know, that, that we should be, I don't think we should be worried about it, but there is that thing that always, um, there's a reason, there's a reason to worry about it. There's a reason Elon Musk and people like that bring these topics up is because we do want to make sure that, you know, the future plays out in a way that is, um, and that's the end. Yeah, that's the end. <laughs> but, um... But that's the subtext of the film anyways, is that, um, you know, there, there is this dark side to reality. There's, there's the, there is serial killers. There is, there is sad, sadism. There, there's, if, you, if you're into pornography, you know, like I make porno films, and there's this entire, some of the most, the, the films that I've made that are most popular are, are S&M films, are, are bondage films, and 
those are way more popular, at least in, you know, in the sites that I work with, those are way more popular than just regular, um, you know, fucking films. And so that, that really scares me to an extent, but it could also be a reason for it. It could just be that, you know, humans are acclimating themselves to pain. Um, you know, it's just, it could be that humans have to, you, you know, there is so much pain in our everyday lives. The human race has gone through so much pain over the past so many thousands of years that we've had to develop these tricks to acclimate, acclimate ourselves to the, the harsh you, environment. You bring, up, you bring up the whole thing about AI and one thing that was uh, coming to mind, if there was a, you know such thing as an AI existence, you know, somebody um, basically being able to hack or make like, you know, basically kind of like a human that's a combination of multiple people or trying to take the best attributes of whoever and trying to make them these like superhumans. And I feel like there's such a scary world in that if that was to actually be true. Um, or people, you know, especially somebody hacking your, you know, hacking your identity is one thing, but hacking your actual being and making you do things you don't want to. Um, right. Well, basically hacking to your <laughs> AI existence or whatever you be. Right, and that that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you could, you could, if you have an imagination like mine, you could imagine the most appalling scenarios. You could imagine, if you had reprogrammable reality with the wrong people in control, you could just, there, there's no end to, like, the, the evil that could be manifested. And um, <laughs> so, I mean, that's one thing I'm, interest, I'm interested in. I'm also not that worried about it, though, because, because we see that... Um, in science, we have, and as this stuff continues to develop, there would be m multiple, countless sets of checks and balances that would prevent stuff like this from happening, that would make sure that things developed in a healthy way. I mean, the, the point is that this technology will be developed one way or another, um, because the history of simulation started like 120 years ago with the first silent films, and we've got about seven or eight billion years left at least the human race has like seven or eight billion years left before the sun burns out so they will develop this technology one way or the other and so i think it's really important that humans you know think of these possible dangers that 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 are implicit when with artificial intelligence technology but that they also don't be scared to develop it because it will get developed there's there's no doubt about it oh, yeah. there's already ais that are are already made, you know, that's right. Well, I mean, that's the thing is computers are already smarter than humans. It's it's already that bridge has already been crossed. The point is that right. Well, we just don't have the mental capacity to be able to handle as much information as computer could possibly. Yeah, not even close. Be able to hold every single memory and be able to recite it in split second. Not um, yeah, exactly. I mean, a computer is so is unfathomably so far beyond humans as far as intelligence the difference is that humans humans are like comprised of this weird mix of um like human consciousness is a really specific thing that is partially based on flaws and paradoxes it's it's not really totally it's not based on intelligence that i think when people talk about computers not being as intelligent, they've got it all wrong, because computers are way more intelligent. Humans are a, like a very strange species that apparently just rose by accident. But we're also so integral to, to 
you know, we, it's almost like we had to be here. The universe would be kind of pointless without us. And, um, so I just don't, I, it just seems to me that it's inevitable that we will, that, that where humans actually belong is this, this virtual environment is what everything is moving towards. Um, doc, like David Bohm, the physicist talks about the implicate order that like er, everything is, um, the universe is unfolding in a certain way towards a certain point. And the, phys the, uh, the, the Teilhard de Chardin, who was a Jesuit priest, but also a scientist, he talks about a similar theory that everything is moving towards the Omega point, you know, and, and the universe is all moving towards a specific goal. And I really, I really feel that that's true, despite like how awful everything seems, despite how bad the universe seems, I think everything is moving. I, I ultimately think we will reach a positive point. Um, but anyways, that's what that film was about. <laughs> Even though it doesn't seem like it. This, it looks like we've got XXX Dark Web up on the screen. Am I mistaken yeah, about I that? Yeah, I put it on since it doesn't seem like Sam Hill is uh, okay. part of this. So I figured we'd get it going. But this is not the X It's not the movie itself. It's just what you sent me. This is my segment. Okay. Yeah. This is Allison... This is Allison um, doing something strange, and um, yeah, <laughs> this this, um, this so this is my version of XXX Dark Web. Demiziano changed it slightly. Like Demiziano, he kind of um, fucked around with the um, contrast and stuff, just to make it fit in better. Because mine was shot in the most cheapest format possible. I wanted to shoot it as cheaply as possible and make it look as like uh, degraded as possible. And he kind of, I think to match it up with the other segments, he kind of gave it a more professional look by adding some effects to it. But this is kind of my original version of it. And he had to cut about 10 minutes out of the segment, too, because um, 10 or 15 minutes out, because my the, the se he asked for a 10-minute segment when he originally contacted me. And I ended up sending him half an hour-long clip. And so he actually had to... He didn't censor it for content. He just had to do it for yeah. you know, the purposes. Well, his movie was secondly like an anthology, so... Yeah, yeah, and all the other segments were way shorter. That, that's me holding the camera. So um, uh, the great filmmaker Michael Blurdy was just sent me a message last night asking what kind of camera I used. And so that's, that's the camera right there. I, I use that 99% of the time. I can't believe how long that camera has... I mean, that I bought that for maybe 40 bucks or something, and it's... it's um, I've had it for I guess ten or eleven years now, and it's it's always worked, you know, really gotten the job done.
how's your um, how's your finger healing up now? Is it like do you have any soreness in any of the area, like where it was cut? Yeah, um, there was this. Well, I mean, it's kind of like more. I wouldn't say soreness. It's just kind of a numb feeling, I guess. And um, it, I would say it's more of a uh, just kind of like a. Um, I was talking to some other guy who ordered some DVDs from me, and he had also cut his finger off accidentally, though. I think he got got it caught in a skill saw, and. He was describing, it sounded exactly the same as mine, just like kind of a numbness. But if you ever bang it against the edge of a table or something, it's, it's really, it really hurts for some reason. And then, so here's Cherokee and Allison, and they were both in the last film too. But this is the only scene I've ever shot with both Cherokee and Allison at the same time. They they don't even really know each other is what's strange. Yeah. And I kind of like wanted this to seem kind of a like a seventies porno vibe. Yeah, I noticed you had a lot of videos of just making out. Is that kind of like a, this thing you're into? So I noticed there was one of you just kind of like um, just uh, a few minutes of different shorts of you kissing people. Oh, yeah. Well, that was like, I think that was a bet where my friend said that, um, <laughs> asked if I could make out with, uh, if I could make out with so many girls in one night just by, um, just uh, strangers, you know, just if I approach strangers. And so I compiled them. I kind of like the footage, so I compiled it. But I liked the, um, yeah, I mean, I think I like, I think I like making out videos. I think, I think it's kind of interesting for some reason. And, and there's Cherokee giving me the hammer. And this is the only fake part of this entire film is where she gives me, because I'm actually straight edge. And so I'm like, I don't take aspirin even, but I definitely don't take, I definitely don't do drugs. So when she's giving me this, for some reason, I just imagined there had to be like a scene where she's giving me drugs before I do this. And I'm not sure why it just made, um, sometimes there's just scenes that kind of, you just envision things a certain way and you kind of have to go with it, even though it doesn't make sense. And so I, I thought, I thought I better just have her give me a slip an aspirin into my mouth. I'll pretend it's drugs. But I didn't really do drugs. Everyone was sober and I have to sign a thing a contract for Tetro, you know, acknowledging establishing the fact that everyone was sober when we filmed this. You haven't had 
have you had any other legal issues since the last one? No, no, like, actually not at all, surprisingly. There's, now I'm more paranoid, so, like, sometimes people order stuff from me, and I, and it seems suspicious, and I, like, think that the, it's the cops or something, and, or not that, I mean, I really, the cops were really great to work with is the amazing thing. That's, they were really professional and really, really, you know, it was actually um, really good to work with them in the sense that they were open-minded about everything. I mean, they didn't like the film. Obviously, they didn't like the film. But they weren't worried about, like, the morality aspect of it. They were just worried about the legal, whether it was legal or not. And so yeah, they... because they have to look at it at that standpoint. Yeah, and, and the woman I worked with was... She's like, yeah, I understand. I, I warned her. I'm like, yeah, this film is going to be horrible for you to watch. And she's like, I, you know, after she watches, she's like, I understand that it's not for everybody. I understand that this is for horror fans. And, and so they were really, you know, I, I was really surprised at how professional they were. But, but no, I haven't had any problems since then. I've been really like, you know, cautious. I've never, I mean, nothing of, none of my stuff is illegal. That's the thing is I'm not worried or concerned about it because, um, you know, I, I very, I study everything very carefully to make sure everything I do is legal before I do it. And Allison, if you were to, like, for instance, if you were to make this more pornographic, it might be considered you might have to be a little bit more on legal issues? Um, it's so hard to know. Bec well, I think with some other countries, maybe. I think with other countries, there could be a problem. And, um, I mean, it's... I, I'm, 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 like, overly cautious. Like, there's clips where I've been... where I probably could have gone a little bit further. But just yeah. out of an abundance of caution, I kind of... Um, you know, kind of didn't show as much as I as I could have. Maybe this is, would be one example of that. But, um, but by the yeah. way, all of this is real blood drinking. Allison drank so much blood here that she was starting to feel sick. But it's yeah. it's all real. She none. It's never. Whenever she's drinking blood, it's never fake. It's never simulated, and that is like a real life. I guess I don't know if I should call it fetish, but that is a real life thing that she does and um i i've known a few just a handful of girls who are into that fetish So you said you're gonna explain the the head tattoo a little bit. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm. I mean, basically, the in that film, you're running. We were running through different. So it, the the concept is it's running through different timelines, and so if it's um, if they're trying to resurrect her through different timelines, um, and they only have the uh, um, if if they only have the it, so we're seeing glimpses into alternate simulated timelines. For instance, it, it, it like about two thirds of the way through the film, even after she's already been killed, you see him driving back up through the same stretch of road where he picked her up, and she's actually hitchhiking again. 
And that's because we're jumping to a different simulated timeline. We're seeing a glimpse into an alternated simulated timeline where her reaction is slightly different as he pulls up in the car because maybe her reaction in this timeline is different to the point that it ch changes the timeline significantly. And so if so, that has to be concluded if like scientists were running a hyper simulation. And um, it's, so in a hyper simulation, you have to run through every physically possible timeline that might have happened in her life, you know, unless it wasn't absolutely proven who committed the murder, you would have to do simulations where various different people were the murderers. That's why it's implied at the beginning that I'm the murderer, my character, but then it's implied later that this other guy, played by Tim, is the murderer, because it's different simulations where if um, in, you have to run it where a simulation where this you know, a simulation where maybe she isn't even murdered, maybe she commits suicide. Um, all of that has to be factored in to, to do a universal simulation. So it's kind of it's complicated to explain, but at any rate, so the fact that she has a tattoo in one of the timelines is, is part of the... Um, I didn't plan for that to happen. She just... Oh, there's... Uh, maybe I, I'll give you some commentary on this real fast, <laughs> since this part's interesting. But... Um, yeah, Allison didn't even, she didn't even uh, hesitate. I was kind of worried that once she saw, when, once the finger got chopped off, she might be a little bit more, you know, ha have some cold feet regarding this scene. But, but she, she didn't seem to. This, this footage I thought turned out pretty good, but I wish that when I actually severed the pinky, I wish it had been slightly... It, it's kind of weird, like it's kind of, it, it, when I first saw it, I was a little bit disappointed because I thought that it wasn't as clear as it could possibly be. But in that close-up, you can pretty much see that it's, you know, that it's not simulated. Yeah, it seems that, um, I mean... I'm sure when you're trying to cut off your whole finger, you'll almost want to cut off the whole finger and not leave it, like, a, a little bit, or... Yeah, yeah. Going, or just going halfway up the finger. Yeah, you can't... You. <laughs> yeah, you definitely... When, once you go for it, you can't just leave it dangling. You you can't just, like, leave it... Uh, if it was just halfway attached, would be probably the worst possible scenario. Yeah. Yeah, then this... By the way, this isn't... It wasn't painful at all chopping off the finger until like maybe a day later or I don't know maybe the next night I was walking through Walmart and I really started it, it got pretty painful but it still isn't nearly as bad as as I expected but I wouldn't recommend anyone do it it's not probably not the most productive thing to do I was surprised at how little it was bleeding yeah I was surprised too I'd actually saw like this um this video from Brazil or somewhere where this businessman cuts his finger off and it was, um, he was bleeding even less. So it's, I think it's different for everyone. I think there's some people that have had fingers severed where they actually are like, it's like life threatening thing. They're bleeding so much. Yeah. Someone's asking what you, what you did with the finger. Oh, I, I still have it frozen. Yeah. And, um, 
I've been moving around between different freezers <laughs> and I've been like, uh, we've made a couple, we shot a couple things with it. I did the behind the scenes thing for dark web for, um, Demisiana asked me to do a behind the scenes, like explanation of this. And so I brought it out of cold storage and kind of like rolled it around on a table and uh it it's like amazing like it really it really there hasn't been much um it hasn't gotten damaged much it's actually in really good shape still and a few yeah someone was offering uh, to buy it but <laughs> yeah if the price is right you never know <laughs> i think you definitely have to sell it more than uh what he was asking. But. I was actually, ori originally, we were going to eat the whole thing. We were going to eat it down to the bone. But I... Well, there's not much... There's yeah, not there's much not... Meat to it, right? There's not much meat on there. And then I was like... I, w I was... I told Allison right before we did it, I, I said, I think we should just eat a little tiny bit of it because I want to save the finger for something else. And... Um, yeah. So I kind of regret that. I don't know. It kind of would have been better if we'd eaten the whole thing. I don't know, though. I have done some interesting... I've done some cool photographs and stuff with the finger, but it kind of would have... I think people thought that Allison chickened out from eating it. Um, I don't know. And there's... Like in, when this was happening... I was like, you know, you just kind of zone out. I was just kind of in my own world, but I I saw this vision of Santa Claus, and um, and like the I'm sure your mind's like trying to find any way of escaping your body, so you're just kind of like in like almost like a dream state. Yeah, yeah, I think it would probably was. I think that's probably a good explanation. But there was like. It was also the color scheme on the table. It was totally by accident. I didn't mean it to like have any symbolism regarding Christmas, but it was like the color scheme of like the the red the red blood on the white cutting board, and then the the green. Um, Sierra put that stuff on the plate, the the like whatever that stuff is, <laughs> kale or something, and um, like all those colors together was like. Uh, it looks like arugula. Oh yeah, it probably is. It probably is arugula. Like Sierra was helping film um, my friend Sierra. Which who, I think arugula probably tastes worse than the finger. <laughs> <laughs> well, the finger tasted just like pork. The finger tasted exactly like pork. There, there's like if anyone asks you what human flesh tastes like, there's literally no difference between human flesh and pork. I mean, I guess anyone's body could. <laughs> I guess different people's bodies might taste different. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know, um, but I think that um, Allison was really Allison thought it smelled horrible, but I thought it was just like the smell of burning hair, you know, as we were cooking it. It was, yeah. it was because the fingernail was still intact and the fingernail was cooking, and so it was. If you've ever, if you've ever put hair on a candle or something, it was that smell like times ten, and. Um, and it was really, it was, that was really bothering her. And yeah. I'm sure if you, I mean, not to get really dark in this, but we obviously don't hear it. But if you were to properly butcher a human, you probably would, it would taste and smell better. It's probably like the outer skin and all that stuff. It's like what makes it file. 
Like you just yeah. <laughs> I've read a little bit about like how the different cannibals, you know, dealt with the bodies, and um, I guess one of the cannibals was saying you have to drain all the blood out. You have to like hang it, it like off a meat hook yeah, and drain all like the blood anything. out. And um, so I don't know. It's it's weird. Like to me, if I if I was into that, I would think the blood would be the most the best part. But I was reading about Peter Curtin the other day and like how he would drink so much blood. He he would drink so much blood out of his victims that he would start vomiting. And um, and then he just he saw a swan walking down the side of a river and he just cut its head off with scissors and just started drinking blood out of its neck because he was so addicted to drinking blood. But um, yeah. I'm definitely um, have that, uh, you know, an interest in blood drinking. That's. And and Allison does too. I I don't know. I eating the eating flesh isn't really doesn't qu quite appeal to me for some reason. Yeah, when you're doing the podcast and you're talking about like the thickness of blood and how it tastes different when it's like thicker blood versus like or where it's cut from, it's like you know it has like a different taste. Yeah, it it definitely does. Yeah, if like you have a really deep injury. It, the blood tastes totally different. Like when it's that really kind of like um, like thicker, like viscous blood. Um, it's a totally different taste and consistency. <laughs> yeah, he just said that tastes like pork. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's... I haven't even had pork since I was... Because I'm a vegetarian now. I haven't had pork since I was probably like 11 years old. But it instantly that the memory came back of eating pork and um, okay, so this like this is Demiziano cut all of this out of my segment. This was originally meant to be in XXX Dark Web, but he cut all of this because just for time constraints. He actually liked this part of it, but it was just the time constraints were too much. Didn't he, did he add this to the end? Didn't he, like, add oh, this as a bonus thing later? Or? Uh, it's in the bonus features, yeah. There, there's a couple. He put a couple things in the bonus features. Uh, this is Akasha, and she's really, really nice. But this is the... I guess this is the only time I've worked with her as far as making a film. Yeah, someone was asking if you if you ever gone to the hospital. But I already know that answer, but you know about this. I've I've never I've never been to the hospital for anything. Like, I guess I've been lucky. I've never broken any bones. I've never. I I have been like severely cut. I've had like different things have happened, but I just just for like monetary, just because I'm like kind of cheap, I just never go to the hospital, and um. But I've never had anything like life-threatening enough that I've had to go to the hospital. But, but like I was saying in the podcast, I love going. I I go to the hospital for fun. Like, if I can get a chance, like if if I have friends or something that need to go to the hospital, I'm always the first one to volunteer because I love just wandering around. And um, and the, there's the hospital has a great atmosphere, and there's always um. I don't know, there's, there's, um, I've had like really weird experiences at hospitals. One my, my, I had to take one of my friends to a hospital once and 
this so so here's some this is uh, I'll give some commentary here for a second this music that's playing is um a song uh, by by Oval but it's a collaboration between me and the band Oval which is a German experimental band and um that was one of my favorite bands when I was young and so I was really uh I tried contacting him several times and then finally he he wrote me back and um but I was really really happy to be able to collaborate with him and uh this is another song that was kind of um a song he did that with some um that I also provided some input for this song so it's two different songs And uh, Oval is releasing a new album pretty soon, but on the last album that, that he put out um, is available from Thrill Jockey Records, if anyone's interested, and that, that has the song that me and him collaborated on. And this, this particular segment is, um, is about... Uh, Demiziano, when he first told me about, asked me to do a segment for XXX Dark Web, he asked me to, the only thing he said, there was like no specific directions. He said the, the only thing that I needed to be sure to do was to include um, someone holding up a Red Queen of Hearts card. And, and other than that, he just gave us complete like flexibility to do whatever we like. But in all the confusion of cutting my finger off, we forgot to hold up the Queen of Hearts card because Allison was supposed to, or one of us was supposed to hold it up at the end and put it on the plate. And so this, this whole thing with Akasha was because I had to include that Queen of Hearts scene. And we ended up cutting it anyways. Yeah, right. And that was the irony. He ended up cutting. And the other irony was all of the other directors in the film all forgot to include the Queen of Hearts too. Everyone forgot that part for some weird, you know, for some, it was some weird synchronicity that everyone forgot that, that aspect of it. And, um, so none of the films actually have a reference to a Queen of Hearts card. That was what was supposed to tie it to the original film, which was, uh, XXX Deep Web, the, uh, prequel to this film. So you just, you just then scratched that idea then, I'm sure? Or? Well, in the, in the framing sequence, he still has a, the the guy who's there's like a man watching all this pornography and he still is he types in like something about queen of hearts but so i i wanted because i forgot it i this is was to me all about like the meaning of the queen of hearts and everything what it meant and uh <laughs> so i had like all these um i tried to add like all these levels of meaning but but yeah he he ended up cutting it anyways but it was probably better that he cut it i it was probably I think it was better to just focus on the on the finger cutting scene. The meat of it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I love this. I love this segment actually. It, I think this segment's probably better on its own in a certain way. And yeah, it's all. It's just it was more in, like the dream sequence of like more what your head might have been with when you're actually going through the pain of the cutting your finger. <laughs> well, well I, yeah, it kind of was because I saw that vision of Santa Claus, but then. It was kind of like the whole thing, like like for this particular sequence, I was thinking, I was thinking kind of like a combination of like a snuff film with like a, a Disney film, 
like like wanting to kind of like somehow combine those two aesthetics like um the because i i love both kind of films i love like fantasy films and disney films and stuff but i also love snuff films so i was thinking is there some way to like kind of fuse those two sensibilities together that would be a very interesting story if you have like a fairy tale of like you know the princess but instead of her finding her prince she finds this guy it's like all into bdsm and basically turns her into like a whole thing but so basically there's not a happy ending it's just but it doing could it all in the play of like a disney movie it, yeah i'm sure there's probably been some variations on that idea i'm sure there has but this one was like I kind of thought it's turning into a cartoon, like so I kind of even changed like some of the footage to like they have like that cartoon effects and kind of added some animation and stuff and I thought it'd be kind of cool to like if it could just like slowly segue into a cartoon, but um I don't know i i I really like this segment, like all the flowers and stuff and the flower imagery, and then um. Rebecca Del Rio from uh, Mulholland Drive makes a cameo appearance here at the end. So that was really sad that we had to cut that part, I thought. Um, but yeah, here's, here's Rebecca Del Rio's appearance. <laughs> and she's the best. Rebecca Del Rio is one of the nicest people. So she was playing in the like little flat in the, in the se segments there where the Red Queen is talking. That that's Rebecca Del Rio's oh. mouth. That's um, and then this is kind of like an addendum to the scene. But um, she was in Mulholland Drive where she she sings uh, the Roy Orbison song in Spanish, and oh, okay. um, she was also in. Um, I think she was in Inland Empire too, just like briefly at the very end. I still need to see that one. That's the one of the ones I haven't seen. Oh yeah, Inland Empire is good. Like, like uh, Rebecca. I think in like a post-credit scene, Rebecca Del Rio makes a short appearance. Yeah, I liked this segment. Um, this is really cool to watch. I think the DVD is a little glitchy. By the way, I, I looked at it and there's looks like there's actually like some scratches that got on it. Unfortunately. Sorry, that that's that's no, probably. <laughs> that might have been me, uh, or that might have been. I I um, use cheap CDRs, but um. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, this this was this is glitchy for reasons I can't figure out. This was like the way the file Erica Fervell, who is a really cool artist, that's her on the screen right now. And this was intended this was intended to be a this is just her talking for, for about twenty minutes, but this was intended to be a bonus feature on Dark Web, but we didn't get it to Demiziano in time and so he couldn't get it on the disc before they manufactured it. But this was, she's in a, uh, you know, Erica Fravel is an artist and an occultist, and she liked the film, and she wanted to kind of give her appraisal of it, and um, she yeah, wanted... Yeah, no, I liked her description. Yeah, yeah, That's she... The, you, and people, the if anyone wants to see this, like, with, with the, I can't, I'm not sure if the audio is working, but this is also posted on my YouTube page. You can kind of hear her analysis of um, Dark Web. Oh yeah.
afterwards, it was pretty obvious that working with him was going to require sacrifice, and I wasn't entirely sure what that meant or what specific sacrifice was required. So what I started doing was incorporating ritual tattooing, which again is, I wouldn't say it's medical horror, but <laughs> it does get bloody, and you save all the rags and burn those. So in a way that is its own blood ritual. And burning them on the altar, not completely, but putting them under rocks on a Saturday, of course, because I adhere to planetary magic. Um, and then the crows would come, which again brings back ideas of Odin with ravens. The one thing I was curious about that you didn't get into what the, what the connection between is the paperwork that came with the DVD. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm sure you could. What was that kind of mostly explaining? I mean, well, that that is explaining um, how the technology would work. I mean, obviously, we're not now at the point in we we have made a lot of technological progress, but we're not at that point yet. We just have people like like um, Richard Dawkins and Peter Thiel and Sam Harris, people like that, saying predicting that this is, we're going to reach this point where we're going to be able to simulate human consciousness. And so we're not quite there yet, but like Sam Harris says, it's unimaginable that we won't reach that point because we've got seven or eight billion years left. We can see how much progress we've made with technology just in the past 20 years. You know, you can see how far phone, even just something like a cell phone has come. So, I mean, we will, we will have artificial intelligence technology and so what that what that paper is describing specifically is um, Zoltan Istvan's quantum archaeology theory which is where he describes how you could you would be able to bring back physically bring back dead people using a 3d printer to reprint them by mapping out every you know every every the way that that person is comprised down to the subatomic particles and print them back to life. Um, and then it's also describing um, Frank Tipler's Omega Point Theory, which is how you would virtually, um, you could bring back someone in a virtual reality simulation. You don't even have to worry about the physical components. You just bring them back as a AI simulation. And, um, and in specifically in the context of that film, we're talking about how you'd have to... Um, you know, you'd have to run up. A human being is is the genetics plus the experience and the memories. And so, in that paper, it's talking about to to really bring back a person. To if you wanted to bring back a loved one, you you can't just bring them back. You can't just clone them. You would have to uh, bring them back. You know, you would have to have them mapped out and simulated. But then you would also have to bring back their memories. And so, Frank Tipler in his book, The Physics of Christianity talks about how you, um, the way you do this is you run through every simulation that is physically possible. Like, we, we know we have, we know certain things for a fact. Like, we know that Joe Biden is president. We know that Donald Trump was our last president. So, so you know, we have all these things that, that are set in stone, concrete, historical facts, and we would factor that all into the simulation. But then there's all these variables. And in that film, we're talking about how we don't know who killed her and we don't know these variables about this person's life so you run simulations 
it, so it's like a quantum detective story mystery. But the but the way the way you solve that is you simulate every possible version of what could have happened to this person, every possible version of who could have killed her. And so that implies that there's like millions of people that could have killed her. And so that is what's implicit in that is there's going to be tons of simulations where innocent people are going to be simulated, but they're going to be guilt. They're going to be put in the place of being the murderer who killed her. So there's going to be millions and millions of simulations where really horrible things happen, where really like awful and unfair and unjust things happen. But that's just like our real world. That's just like the real world right now. And, you know, a lot of scientists speculate that we're in a simulation right now, that this could be a his historical recapitulation simulation. Um, but the point of all that, without getting, it's such a complicated topic that it's hard to address in, in, in you know, just the few short minutes we have. But the point of all that is that um, you don't, if you were running a simulation like that, you don't actually have to run through the simulation necessarily. You could just you could just run through the memories without people actually having to feel or live through the events. So people wouldn't actually have to feel the pain of reliving through all that again. You could just run it through as a simulation and record the memories. It's kind of like the the film Total Recall, uh, you know, the Philip K. Dick novel. And you could just. Maybe wonder if people do this like an endurance test of like seeing how much trauma they can withstand. Right. I mean, well, the thing is. I really honestly believe that once this techno you know once this happens once once civilization evolves to this point I believe it will only be a positive thing because you can see that technology has 90 95% of the of the time it has been a net positive for civilization it is it, it's only made life better um, you know across the board but there's probably you know there could be scenarios where people people who like pain, you know, people who are into BDSM or bondage or something, and they could run a simulation for themselves where they're being tortured or whatever. You know, if I suppose if that's what a person wants, you could you could do that. But it would only be, you know, if if that's if if that's what you enjoy, if if that's what you want want to experience, you could well, it would be kind of almost like end up being like the safest way, almost like, you know, how sex is becoming like this very digital thing, you know. Right. Right. Well, I. Yeah, and again, I think that's humans acclimating themselves into, uh, you know, tr preparing themselves to live in, um, in a much more significant way. We will be living in a virtual reality environment, but I think we're taking these small steps. You know, the way that kids are so obsessed with playing video games, and the way that even money, even currency, is transitioning to a digital format. I think all of that is just the human race subconsciously trying to get itself ready for this next step. And I just think that's inevitable that that's the next step in evolution um, is to move into the virtual, you know, transition from the physical to the virtual. Yeah. It's like, like it or not, you're either, you, you know, diss it and say a not thing, then you're just going to be behind. And... Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing is you have so many, like Republicans, and and I I am a, the the irony is I am a Republican and I'm very conservative, but I'm like really disappointed to see like how many conservatives are like anti-technology and 
it's it's kind of I'm, I'm not it kind of goes along with conspiracy theories I guess but there's this kind of fear that um, technology is somehow implicitly evil or that there's something that is going to lead us somewhere evil when the fact of the matter is that this is just a tool just like anything else and um, you know even even the most tech techno <laughs> the people who are the most scared of technology are still using technology they're still using the internet to go on and you know fearmonger about the dangers of technology so it's it's really paradoxical that it is good that there's that there's people who are you know it's good that there are people nervous about it it's good that there are people who are th that um that you know we are aware of the potential dangers it's it's good that we are thinking of these possible scenarios where things could go wrong and so that that's part of the checks and balances but it just seems to me like there's way too much right now there's an imbalance where there's way too many people who think that technology is or that transhumanism is evil or like extropic theory is evil but but yeah, like you say, I mean, this is the people who don't embrace it are just going to be left behind because it's going to happen. I mean, it'll happen like Peter Thiel, Peter, Peter Thiel made this point, and I think he's completely right. He said he's not even worried about convincing people that technology will improve the human race. He said it's just going to, as soon as the technology is developed, people will embrace it. You know, just like people embraced cell phones, just like people embraced the Internet. When it becomes available, people will embrace it. And so I, I think that's probably true. I mean, once we come up with ways to download the human, when, you know, if you're able to download human consciousness, once someone has a loved one, like, a, like their dad is ready to die, and that becomes available that you can download his consciousness so he doesn't have to die, people will jump on it, you know. People won't even hesitate. Oh, yeah. it looks like, so, this is, um, what's playing right here is, um, this is an excerpt from, uh, Blood, uh, Blood is Sweeter Than Honey, which is a film I made with, uh, Cherokee, and, um, this I made quite a long time ago, like, before I ever met Allison, and, um, Cherokee is always great to work with, and... This is her after after drinking some blood and she's wearing her America um, <laughs> some kind of patriotic underwear it looks like and kind of like a just a scene where she's just cleaning some blood off of her breasts apparently this is kind of more of like an outtake from um, blood is sweeter than honey and let's see Cherokee like I mentioned before in, a, in another interview Cherokee is actually one of the I've, I've like met in my life I've met a lot of really strange people and Cherokee is by far the strangest person I've ever known why is that like just besides outside of you know what you see on camera she it's it's almost hard to explain like it's almost hard to explain but um here she is again <laughs> it's um 
she is she's like um it, it's it's kind of hard to explain to people who haven't met her but um i'll give like one one short story to kind of that could kind of demonstrate how how unusual she is like what what an unusual person she is um when we were filming that scene that we just watched from the xxx dark web segment where her and allison are making out and um so her and allison are making out and then it goes to the part where i'm stabbing myself with scissors and allison's drinking the blood well, for that scene, I, I had to have Cherokee hold the camera because I'm holding the camera at first. But then I needed to hand the camera to Cherokee and she had to film me stabbing myself. And I kept telling her, this is a really important scene, Cherokee. Because if you don't, because there's only one camera documenting this and you've, you've got to get, you know, you've, you've got to be sure to capture that moment where I'm stabbing myself and where Allison is drinking the blood. And so I... I kept, you know, I just, I just was trying to make it very clear to her that she had to be very careful. And so I, I had... Question, why, I noticed you put Glad in a lot of your shots. Like, is there a reason for that? Oh, uh, the Glade uh, plug-in air fresheners? Yeah. Glade air fresheners, yeah. Yeah. Well, even just the bottles, I've noticed that there's been on my... Like kind of thrown in here and there. Yeah, Glade air fresheners is um, Glade air fresheners are like a the the reason I try to put those in my films is kind of like well, like like the same way that um, like like if you if you ever know someone who's like maybe into like black metal and maybe they're wearing a mayhem T-shirt or. Or like they're into goth music and they're like into some goth band and they're wearing its t-shirt. And um, and that's kind of because you want to be associated with these like feelings and stuff that that band creates. That's why they might want to have that poster in their room or something. But like when I like smell a Glade plug-in air freshener, I get st stronger feelings than I get from any band I've ever heard in my life. And and so like there's like really strong emotional response. And so like I'm the same way someone would wear a t-shirt to advertise their favorite band, I want to like advertise that product because that's it creates that emotional response in me. And I'm also that same way with like perfume, different kinds of perfume and stuff. But um so I'm just a big fan of Glade. <laughs> and, and Do they have a white gardenia Glade? <laughs> I've, well, they have. It kind of goes in and out. Like they take certain products off. They discontinue certain products and bring them back. And, you know, just whatever's popular or based on like seasonal, what's, what's the most popular. And, um, but yeah, I've definitely, I've written to the company on multiple occasions. And keep that going. That, um, but anyways, yeah, that, that's why, that's why the obsession with Glade plugins, but, but then, um, on the general chat, um, Severed Cinema is asking some questions. Oh yeah. Yeah. But he's asking, um, has Cherokee's mom seen, uh, the work or any of her work? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Be Well, 
she knows, she definitely knows that it's strange. And Cherokee's mom has really, um, really interesting taste in films, actually. And like I was saying earlier, I think that's why Cherokee was not, to was not shocked by the kind of films I make. And is like, I've, she's never once like told me this is, this is going too far or anything like that. Um, I think it, I think it's because, um, Cherokee's mom is into like avant-garde films. Um, so I, it, her mom is, uh, really seems like really open-minded and, um, and was like totally willing and able and, and, you know, even excited to appear in this last film. <coughs> and, um, so I hope she like, I mean, I don't think necessarily, I haven't gone out of my way to like make her watch everything we've ever made, but, um, she seems like very, uh, I guess I would say um, different from other people's parents. <laughs> different. Like, I, I'd say she's much more on the same wavelength that I'm on. We'll see. This is some music that we made with Geimrith, who's a black metal band. This was a collaboration between White Gardini and Geimrith. Still making a lot of music? Um, yeah, I just making films is so much more. I just kind of enjoy making films much more, but I still make the music. You know, if there needs to be like a passage of footage that has to have musical accompaniment, I definitely uh, I can compose it pretty quickly, especially if I have like already the visuals in place. It makes it much easier to to make the music. Yeah, for sure. You got to be in the right headspace. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like inspiration shouldn't be forced either. So if, if, you, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Because then it just feels forced, it feels pushed, and it doesn't feel real. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, I, I used to just make music, and but, and I was, um, I, I used to cut myself just totally separate from the music. I just decided, and I was trying to think of like some visuals to put to the music. I thought, if since I'm cutting myself anyways, I might as well just record that and put it with the music. And in the process of doing that, I just realized, it, to me, it was much more interesting. The filmmaking process was way more interesting to me than, the mu than making music. And so I just have gotten more and more, put a lot more energy into that side of things. At any rate, I'll, I'll real quickly finish the, the story about Cherokee, about when she was filming XXX Dark Web. I just, so I, I told her, this is a very crucial scene. Just make sure that you capture me being me stabbing myself and Allison drinking the blood. It was all happening really quickly, and we could obviously only do this t this scene once. You know, them kissing each other, and then handing the camera to me. Oh, okay. This is <laughs> this is great footage. I love this footage. <laughs> no, she, I just, I just had this, it, this is kind of really complicated and hard to explain. I just kind of, the cover of this DVD um, is about like horse eyes and um, spider eyes. And um, I kind of filmed like several different segments about, that they were, um, well, I kind of had this obsession with eyes for some reason for a while. And, um, 
So pretty much every segment on this DVD is about, you know, based on that theme about humanize it. And there's there's like a narrative built in. Well, Sam Howell's on, just to go. Welcome, Sam Howell. Oh, hey, hey, how's it going, Sam? Maybe I can't hear him. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I might have to unmute, uh, unmute him. I mean, I, I just think it's like music can be really powerful and like produce really powerful emotions and stuff. And so I understand why people want to wear t-shirts of their favorite bands and stuff. But to me, like different perfumes and stuff are way more powerful than than any band I've ever heard. And um, I don't know if different people are like that. Um, I know some people are can get, it's like synth... I can't remember the word for it, where colors produce really powerful emotions and stuff. So I don't exactly, I, I don't know what that is when it's like, like the smell of perfume or the smell of blood or the smell of different things, like the smell of a hospital. That almost produces more powerful emotions in me than anything else. I think... Alright, I can find any. <laughs> oh, is that, is, is that Sam? Is he on? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'll just defer to him as far as that's concerned. I think he was talking that the Black Friday weekend is when it would be, when the disc would be available for pre-sale. Oh, cool. In, uh, the 23rd to the 29th, it'll be up from the 23rd. And um, first 100 orders come signed and with the poster, same as every Baroque House release, but this is for uh, Bizarre Theater, which is a side label releasing it. And it'll be under at a com, not at com anymore so just yeah and um so was there, uh, how's your um by the way the um shoot sorry i forgot the funny the whole um new movie somehow how, how was it no how's it still going is you did you make it or did you end up uh, we, the... hit, uh we hit 10 uh, 10 200 of 15 grand so pretty up close and then we had some uh, funders behind the scenes that uh, got us to like at least uh 13 of 15 so a uh, little two grand off which kind of i was trying to put towards a uh, film fest but we can figure that out later <laughs> yeah but not enough for still it's still gonna be a good and go but it's just maybe a little tight on the budget yeah i mean i i did the budget for the new film and uh I reached out to some friends to help out in it, and it's pretty much works. It's working out that way um, to continue going forward. But uh, Indiegogo helped quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm stoked. Uh, I liked that you were um, like kind of pushing out a lot of other things than just you know just the film and maybe a poster. Um, yeah, like you were definitely putting out some stuff, which I, I really appreciate. I definitely grabbed a few things. Um, yeah, we're all, everything is pretty much here except for the disc and covers and the shirts. But everything else, like the posters I've already shipped out, uh, the oh, okay. 24 by 36, the patches are in. Uh, so you are you just sending them as they come in or are you just going to send it all? When it uh, I'm going to send it all uh, when they're all here because then, yeah, with uh, I've noticed, uh, since I'm shipping, I did all shipping for uh, media mail and then media mail started to screw, screw us. So I just bumped everything to first class. So just to save them, because uh, I'm going to be paying pretty much out of pocket a little bit uh, to get everybody to ship through first class, so um, I'm just going to ship it all at once, everybody's stuff at once. Yeah, that makes sense. 
yeah. and then obviously Australia might be still an issue or uh, uh actually let me check that right the the USPS website because I know that's been a big issue for everybody oh 100 percent and I've just noticed that some people actually said they still ship to Australia and I was like that's not good that's not a good idea uh, you should actually wait yeah because I started having issues with that um prior to this but I was like Australia still is on a no-go list. Yeah, 10, 5, 21, yeah. So, yeah, um, they can still buy. I'm just holding everybody in. It. So that's up to their own uh, discretion. If they want to buy the White Gardenia's new projects or anything for the Black Friday, they can get it at the sale price and still get the signed and posters and all that. They just have to wait till they, Australia oh, opens yeah. the board. Yeah, so yeah, that's a that could be, thing. you know, all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're like, never mind, you're going, and then, um, yeah. or it could be six months. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, months. so it's, it's completely up to, like, buyers if they want to get it, and when, or if they just don't really, they'll try to, they'll try their hand later, do a third party. Yeah, and that's unfortunate for both parties, but it is kind of just what it is. Yeah, um, you can't really do anything about it. I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been, you know, more states have just been having issues of just complete, you know, yeah, things just to kind of help with this possible spread of things. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, what are you working on now? Are, are you just kind of um, on stand on standby until everything's all released and done, or are you just working on new projects already? Uh, me or uh, oh, Sam Hell? Oh. Uh, I'm currently filming uh, this weekend uh, for a new film, but it's uh, a more of a exploitation drama document documentary type thing. Oh, okay. Um, but it'll be under something completely different, a different name, different production. Just I, for what I want to do with the project, I received uh, too many uh, iffy um, responses from people that. Uh, looked into a broke house and all that stuff uh it's definitely from me trying to put it in a bigger film fest and all that uh, a lot of people were kind of iffy with sam hell's name behind it <laughs> uh well, cool. uh, well um so what was all with the i mean i, I love it i love the vhs part but a night in gotham uh like where'd that come from um it seemed like kind of just uh was like a side like a little project out of nowhere um, it was just a project to shoot, to shoot. I mean, when you have uh, talent that are just kind of like waiting, just making stuff, you just yeah. make stuff when you have time and stuff like that. And it was just more of a gimmick thing that, um, it, just to go to help to make more projects and more stuff. And I tend to use a bunch of actors, so it's not like they don't see that money anyway. So I end up just tossing it to them at a later point. Um, but no, yeah, sure. it was just more of a, a weird thing off the side that was done in like the 80s. <laughs> that I just found and released. Yeah, and it was close too, but to um, put it out on the VHS press too. Um, but coming out with the DVD and the VHS was nice, so that you can. Because some collectors, like, I, I have a lot of VHSs that are like, yeah, I own them, but I'm not ever gonna, I don't trust a VHS player to play them. I don't want to risk those tapes going to shit. Yeah, um, some of the VHS stuff is just like mainly for collectors and uh, like with Love Dump and Green Hell, I felt like the length of it was worth the money. Uh, this one is just, you know, it's just a weird, cheesy, um, yeah, artistic project that I was just like down to make, but it was still so short that I, I couldn't justify taking the money that I was asking for. 
for just the VHS. So I was like, all right, well, everybody gets a bunch of art shit and posters and DVD with like a cleaner kind of cut. Oh, not cleaner, but like uh, actual not VHS cut. And yeah, for some people that just you know don't want, don't really trust VHS anymore. I guess they have like a disc. Are you planning on going on with anybody else to do besides Daniel with these kind of um, side? Um, I talked with Guy. Um, oh, cool. uh, Guy Pierce from uh, Japan. I've known yeah, him for Rope, quite a while. Garden or Rope Maiden. Yeah, Rope Maiden and uh, Difficulty Breathing. I talked with him. And I'm always open to, uh, to like release his stuff just because I've known him for Rope Maiden on VHS and all yeah. this other stuff. So I, it's, it's more of just people of films that I like or people that I like and work with or just performance stuff that like I feel like no one else will really touch besides me, I guess. You're like afraid so, to, or yeah. Or yeah, like, like I have knowledge on adult content and how to release it and like... Uh, the, the laws around the U.S. and uh, I don't, you know, the site's already set up for it, so it's like, as long as everything's legal, like, I, like, and I'm into, like, what is being made or I'm into the creator, yeah, it'll, it'll still be, I'll just go for it. Like, I was talking with a couple of people with documentaries on, like, uh, weird modifications and death documentaries and or just performance artists of just people releasing or making weird, weird, crazy shit that I'm just like, oh, you've had this film, it's only been released once by you, can we release it again? Like, or yeah, just stuff that's like, I feel um, I could kind of bring like some type of, uh, I guess, interest to, or, you know, kind of make, actually press some DVDs or, you know, if, if it's a film that I feel is, like, big enough, you know, press some Blu-rays or, you know, just do it in a way that I do Broke House because I hear that people think Broke House is, like, more of their keeping up with, like, actual distribution in professional copies, I guess. Right. So just sort of trying to do the same thing where, you know, trying to give some effort into sure. other people's stuff that, you know, they probably don't really care about the release. To be honest, like, um, like King of the Witches has been somebody that's been established forever, and but it feels like a lot of his stuff now is coming out where they used to be really cool cases, really cool like you know things. But I think there's kind of like for whatever reason, maybe he's you know is popping out too much stuff, and I feel like the approach is now kind of sloppy. So be kind of you know like you don't want to fall to that. Like um, the same yeah, thing. I, I'm always like like the big thing with me in films is I like. Uh, one, I have to like the project, the film, but I also like to see it, like, when I, like, walk into my office that there's, like, like, someone put some effort into the art, someone put some effort into, you know, like, the the extras, the, you know, the, the disc doesn't look like it's going to be, like, dropped and scratched and it's unplayable, you know, like, or same thing, stuff like that. So I just try to, like, put some effort into, like, where money is going rather than just the film. Like, if I could do that, I could just put it all on VOD then. Like, might as well. Um, that was kind but, of interesting, too, but um, to get Daniel into the conversation, I, I think there's kind of, like, a difference in, like, the release, but I, I appreciate his uh, his approach, because, like, Daniel, your approach is more of, like, a zine, I feel. Yeah. Of it's, it's supposed to be kind of, like, of where it's, like... Uh, and you, you mean, like, in the... In the like uh, CDRs that I've been sent, that I sell on. Uh, yeah, like the CDRs yeah. that you send me, I kind of think that that adds the charm of it. Like it's like a zine, like this, like yeah, you know, like thing you kind of can 
hand out and just to be like trying to get it out type thing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, um, it's definitely DIY kind of a, uh, definitely not much thought was put into it and um, <laughs> I kind of really cheap CD, like the cheapest DVDs I can find and stuff, but but that's the kind of stuff I like. Like I look for that kind of stuff that's like really um, l low low budget, lo-fi type stuff. And um, yeah, but, but it, I, I like I love like out actually the shelf because they're like, what's that? There's no label on the side. There's no spine, and they're like, <laughs> when I have it actually set and they look. And they're like, what is this? The, I know, and yeah, it's just all xeroxed. But um, but I but I do I also love like you know the 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 high production. I love like Sam's the Blu-ray package he put together for Blood Taste Like Perfume is awesome, and like Tetro they do a great job on packaging also. So I like that kind of stuff too, but but yeah, I definitely have like kind of a low low budget aesthetic. But like, see, for me, like I like that when it's coming directly from the filmmaker. Like, uh, who else did it like that? Uh, uh, the guy from France who did uh, I Heart Snuff. Right. His stuff is. Uh, yeah, so when it comes from like the filmmaker, like the creator of it, I like that stuff. Right. Like, I'll, I'll buy that stuff all day, which is why I asked Daniel if he had any stuff he sells himself when we first started talking. Um, and yeah, I like right. that it came out like that. But if it's like you're trying to label yourself as a distribution or someone handling somebody else's work, I like it more like connected or it looks more like a label. Right. Um, that it sticks together and stuff like that. But if, when it comes to the filmmaker, Whoops. Sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I love, like, outsider art to begin with. And so I'm always interested in, like, if, if like, something is really poorly put together, poorly designed, I'm immediately interested in it. I was, I was just talking to someone, I was just talking to someone today about that, like, like, like zines. We were talking about zines and, like, the ones that are really poorly made, like, by people with like mental health issues and stuff are the ones that are the most appealing to me and kind of the same way with music and film but but I, I'm also I appreciate the other end of the spectrum too like I appreciate stuff that's really um, you know like really sophisticated overly sophisticated but but yeah Sam does a great job his like the, I'm really looking forward to see how this this next blu-ray is gonna turn out and um, <laughs> no rush we still got till black friday but um but yeah it's gonna be exciting i hope people buy it because i really like put i mean i don't even know if it's it got a great review from severed cinema i was really proud of that because i kind of thought everyone would give this a good uh bad reviews because it's it's almost more like this film has kind of like religious significance to me it's almost I'm not really even worried about the artistic side of it, but I'm just, I just conceived of this as sort of like Eisenstein style propaganda to just like convey the message that I'm trying to convey, which is, you know, kind of almost a religious message. It's almost like religious propaganda. And, um, your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I used to be like a big E. Cumming. I still am. I'm a like, but when I was a kid, I was a huge E. Cummings fan. And I remember reading a biography he wrote where he went through some phase where he was like, 
it was is like a phase of, of when he was a, making poetry where he he didn't even worry about whether the poems were good or bad but he was just worried about the message as long as the message was good as long as he was like conveying a you know a message that was helpful to society that's all that mattered and there was like a word for it he used in the biography there was a certain school of poetry like or a certain school of art that was based on this that it doesn't matter if the art is good or not it's just as long as you're conveying a like politically correct message like for back lack of a better word politically correct as long as you're conveying a message that helps society you're you're on the right track and that's kind of how I feel about this film is like the message overrides whether the film is actually good or not. But I hope people like the film too, because I really put like a lot of, you know, I put like all of my heart and soul into making this film. And even though it doesn't seem like it, <laughs> but I, I mean, I love it personally. And then, but even if people don't like the first film, there's like eight or nine segments after that, that are, I think, interesting enough that it would be worth buying the Blu-ray just yeah, to check them out. Uh, all these the videos that you attached to uh, that the last evil you gave me they're all going on the disc right uh, exactly right and that's Sam talking okay, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was that Sam talking yeah 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 exactly yeah and and email me if you need any clarification but um, oh yeah I mean there's a good if, if I'm looking at it correctly there's a good like ten yeah uh, that's probably right like projects that are gonna be like after the main uh, yeah the main uh film i guess right so like after the, the film seeker perfume of decay the the one we just watched yeah there's like 10 <laughs> yeah there should be 10 additional segments and um and th those are i think those ones people might like more because it's some of it's just like straight up mutilation and stuff and not really fetish stuff but um but blood drinking and self-mutilation and like there's the one where the the, the face cutting one that's pretty popular um, like some people like that one and um, so yeah hopefully you know even if people don't like the first one even if that seems too preachy or whatever then I think the other clips will make it worth it for people yeah the the interview I mean it was kinda all the other films I picked I think wanted I wanted everything to be still connected to that central theme you know it's all related to this idea about virtual reality and um you know extropic theory and so so yeah i included an excerpt from that interview i did with james gates and um you know every everything is connected in, in one way or the other and i i think the other one the first one blood tastes like perfume was kind of more there was more um fetish maybe more like sexual um stuff that th there's probably more um sexual content on that one but this one i think is more what i'm interested in personally which is more like the religious and the the quantum physics stuff and um like simulation theory being being like the central topic and so this one i i think is really <clears throat> i love the last one too but i i think this one really is like the things that appeal to me, the things that interest me the most. And hopefully if it interests me, it'll interest other people as well. Yeah, I really appreciate Sam putting this out because it's really a strange project. And um, 
I don't think many labels would be interested in putting it out. It's it's I, I appreciate Severed Cinema reviewing it because um, <laughs> I, there's a few other people reviewing it. By the way, there's there's going to be some reviews coming out hopefully before Black Friday, and so we'll probably get a better sense of what the you know what what the consensus is, how people feel about it. But but I was really happy to read that Severed Cinema review and to see that they that I think Jamie got or Jay Creepy I should say. I think he goes by Jay Creepy, but he, um, I think he definitely got what I was going for, more or less, and, um, and so I, I was, as soon as I saw that, I forwarded it to Allison, because I think we were both kind of nervous that this material was, you know, that it was a, l a little bit stranger than stuff we've done in the past. Uh, did you hear that, Danny? No, I can, I, okay. I uh, can, he basically asked if, uh, if I would do a media book for the release due to all the like the, the paperwork he sent uh, to go along with the film um, no I'm going to try to include a booklet uh, with it like just kind of everything written out more uh, more in a way that will fit the, inside the Blu-ray case uh, media books are they're not readily available to make out here um, it's not really a Thing to make like you kind of have to either outsource it or make a custom uh, product from like a like box making company or a book making company um, or if anything if people don't give a shit about reading I mean I could just do the same thing about I did with the same time works of Jasmine and just make a book uh, with Daniel and release that like with it but I think it'll uh, a zine or a hardback book of just Dan Daniel's like view of this um and then people can be like oh if you want to like look more into it or what he's talking about then you can buy the bundle or just the blu-ray I we can do that but I haven't discussed that with Daniel okay no it makes sense I was oh, kind of I, curious how you're gonna approach that I, I can hear you now Christian now you can. Oh, okay. sorry about that was I talking over you <laughs> I probably was, oh, no, right? It's fine. Uh, it was good, though, because you, you're going to some stuff, and I, I shouldn't have interrupted you anyway, so it's good that you just kind of continued. But, um, but I, uh, I just was kind of curious about bringing up the media book and idea. So, yes. question asked. Yeah, gotcha. Sorry about that. Yeah, you were, you, for some reason, only Sam was coming through for a while there, but, but now you're coming through loud and clear. Cool. Um, I mean, I'm kind of out of questions. I don't know if there's... Um, anything else to really go over um, I'm stuck for the release I'm stuck for all the stuff that you kind of do on the side including your own releases with, uh, like Sam, including YouTube oh. do awesome stuff oh thanks a lot thanks a lot for letting us come on and um, yeah I'm, I'm really excited too I'm excited to see the finished product and um, so yeah that should be going that should be going up for pre-sale so will that be on, on Friday, Black Friday? Um, yeah, so I do a sale every year for uh, a broke house. It starts on my birthday, and then it goes through to, like, Cyber Monday. Um, so it'll be, like, November 23rd. That's when, like, the new film from uh, Daniel and then Green Hell and then maybe, like, some new patches for a broke house and maybe, like, a new poster. Um, stuff like that will be up. It's going to be small. Uh, all titles, well, almost all titles besides like flesh eaters will be like 50% off. Um, and that will, and then 
but it won't include the, the obviously the new ones, Flesh Eaters, Green Hell, and uh, Daniel's new film. Um, and uh, the short film collection of Daniel's, those won't be 50% off, but everything else will probably be 50% off. And then you can, yeah, the first hundred of the new film from Daniel will be signed by whoever uh, Daniel gets. Uh, uh, posters for the first hundred, 11 by 17 posters. And then if, I'll probably maybe set up a day after filming this week uh, to talk with Daniel about possibly maybe even just doing a bundle with the book. So people could like make a, we could make a book for what everything he wrote. So we don't have to like include it and, and kind of take out more funds to manufacture, I guess, to make 300 uh, mini books because some people just toss them out. And that's, yeah. so I'd rather have people like make a certain amount of books that, you know, even Daniel could probably sell on his own if people want to look into what he's talking about because they you know they want it not because you know they're obligated to have it yeah and i've noticed like even sometimes the posters like people who just like to want to get a signed copy they end up just trashing the poster too um so it's like it's for it's for people who want to get it so i'm just gonna i I think it'd be better that way rather than making 300 uh, mini booklets to go with it i think maybe just make a book and have a bundle so people can decide okay i want to look more into what he's talking about, I'll buy the book with it. Right. And I like your sure. books and stuff. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I, I really liked what you did with the whole Jasmine um, presentation of that, so. Yeah, and it's sort of the same idea, so might as well. Yeah. yeah. No, that was a good, good idea. Yeah, 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 that sounds cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it. Um, like, yeah, look forward to us. I'm Sam Howard and doing Vania. Um, we do that um, December seventh, I think was what it is. Uh, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I got sent. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had to make sure to. Uh, I get this habit of I'll, I'll schedule like four like interviews in advance, and I'm like, I can't do that sometimes because I don't want to like confuse myself. Which do you ask me? <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks again to Sam for um, releasing it. They, because, like I say, I don't know if you, if I was getting cut out before, but I don't think most labels release something like this because it's a really weird, like, um, um, just the whole conceptual basis for the film is really strange. And um, so I really appreciate that. And um, and thanks to you, Christian, for for inviting us on tonight. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, thanks again for letting us come on, and um, yeah, I'll be, uh, anytime, yeah, I'd be happy to do do another one of these if, if you're ever interested. It's, yeah, totally. Yeah, anytime I have a release, I'm going to showcase it and promote it. Okay, yeah, thanks again, Christian and Sam and anyone else who's on here, and uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. Yeah, 
Shove a screwdriver into someone's <laughs> and just torture them for hours and hours. Maybe we're already in hell. Maybe. <laughs> Out of reality. So 
don't know how to Yeah, I'm a girl. Fuck.